Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Hello, this is Nick Moran, back with episode 34 of The Full Ratchet. As promised, today we are doing a comparison of the four major approaches by which early-stage investors make investments. They include the Lone Wolf Angel Investor, the Angel Group, the Venture Fund, and the Syndicate. We will be looking at categories such as fees, speed, deal flow access, decision autonomy, transparency, and a number of others. No interviewee today, but I hope to bring on a number of guests here in the near future to weigh in on these factors. And in full disclosure, I would have preferred to quantify a number of these assessments instead of providing a qualitative assessment alone. However, in the interest of time, I wanted to get this exercise completed instead of trying to pull together all the average fee structures for angel groups and venture funds, for example. So let's start off by saying this entire exercise is completed from the individual investor or LP's perspective. This is not done from an entrepreneur's or fund manager's standpoint. And I've included all the critical categories that should be included in an investor's decision when deciding how to get involved in venture. I may be leaving out categories that deserve inclusion, but these are the ones that came to mind when I was doing the analysis. If you have suggestions of categories to add, you're welcome to email me or leave a comment in the comments section. So again, the groups include the Lone Wolf versus the Angel Group versus the Venture Fund versus the Syndicate. And anytime I refer to syndicates on today's episode, this means that the investor is using a crowdfunding for equity platform and is not making investments all by themselves without any sort of organized group that's doing fund documents and diligence. I'd assume from many of the episodes we've done so far and from our collective knowledge on angel investing in general, one recognizes that whether you refer to it specifically as a syndicate or as a group, that when making crowdfunding investments as a follower or a lead, doing so with a group or bolting on to an existing syndicate is the standard approach. The categories we will be evaluating these against each other include decision autonomy, decision speed, management fees, carry fees, bureaucracy, transparency, rules and obligations to LPs, expertise breadth, expertise depth, rights and protections, i.e. control, price and valuation, i.e. economics, lower minimums, access to deal flow, volume of deal flow, experience, opportunity to learn, 
follow-on ability, and time invested in diligence, evaluation, and the rest of the process. So let's start out with number one, which is decision autonomy. A venture fund is a blind pool. The bet is made on the fund manager rather than the specific companies invested. For this reason, the fund is ranked last in this category. Each, the Lone Wolf, Angel Group, and Syndicate, allow investors to select each individual deal. So we'll say that each of these three are tied for first on the decision autonomy category. The second major category is speed. This relates to the speed of decision making. How much time passes between first meet and a pass or proceed? Indications are that syndicate and venture funds can move very fast. There is no critical mass needed to make an investment. The leaders of each make an investment and can do so fairly quickly. The lone wolf can also move very fast, but they rank third because they often do not have the processes set up for quick initial review, due diligence, decision, and financing. So decisions can be fairly quick, but a lack of process or urgency can be limiting. Finally, angel groups have a reputation for moving slower than the other groups. This relates more to their ability to get group members together for a review, often in two cycles, and herding the cats for diligence review and final decisions. Without a critical mass in the angel group, the deal will die. And from my experience, consensus can take some time and lobbying. So the angel group comes in fourth on this category. The next major category is management fees. The lone wolf comes in at number one here. There are no fees for a direct investment. The angel group and the syndicate are tied for second. I don't have exact numbers in front of me and want to do this quantitative analysis that looks at average membership costs for groups and the amount one would have to commit to reduce the significance of that fee relative to other investments. I pay around 1500 to 2000 per year in membership dues to the angel group. So in effect, I should be putting about 100k to work per year to experience lower fees than a venture fund, assuming the venture fund has the standard 2 and 20 fee structure. The syndicate is a little different in that there aren't fees to join the group, but the platforms such as AngelList will often charge an initiation investment fee on each startup investment to cover legal overhead and such. Finally, the venture fund comes in last here, as it's very rare to find a fund that's charging less than 2%. This is by no means an egregious fee, especially when compared to fees on larger funds in other asset classes. However, it looks to be higher than the other four. The next category is carry fees. Again, the lone wolf is best here, no fees involved. For the other categories, I'm making the assumption that they are all charging a 20% carry. That will not always be the case. There are angel groups that have lower carries. People are also often negative on AngelList because the platform itself takes a 5% carry. But as long as the syndicate lead is only taking 15%, then the total is still 20%. So it's not extra juice on the top. But there are some syndicate leads taking their 20%, so the total will be 25%. In that case, the economics become worse. So again, let's assume that the angel group, syndicate, and venture fund each set a 20% carry. In that case, the venture fund is best. Why? Because they only pay out a carry on the collective returns of the portfolio. So the losers will offset the winners, reducing the carry amount that goes to the fund managers. 
with the angel group and the syndicate, the carry exists at each individual deal. So the amount is paid out at that level, resulting in better carry payouts for the organizers. The next category is called bureaucracy. We won't spend much time here as it's pretty self-evident. The more organization, overhead, and formal arrangements, the more bureaucracy must exist. The venture fund will have the most, the lone wolf will be least. I've found syndicates to be incredibly democratized and efficient, so they rank ahead of angel groups, which are not overly bureaucratic either, just not quite as decentralized. All right, the next category we're going to discuss is called transparency. In terms of transparency, it seems that the Lone Wolf and Angel Group win here. Almost all of these deals involve personal relationships with in-person meetings. You know who you're investing in, and you can ask whatever questions you'd like. You're also meeting with your group and get total visibility on how the investment process works. The syndicate comes in third, not because of a lack of transparency, but the lead may proceed with a deal that you love, but still have a question or two that may not be covered in the diligence. I've also been a part of syndicate groups that have incredibly transparent communication and processes. Gil's team, for instance, participates in daily communication about every deal. It's a really fun team to be a part of and watch how these things happen. I'd love to see his process follow a CRM or sales funnel approach a little more so that we can see the deals visually in various stages and gates and measure conversion and timing through various stages of the funnel. But one step at a time here, and he's made a ton of advances in transparency regarding syndicates. His, in fact, is much more transparent than other syndicates that don't provide any behind-the-curtain access to their members. Finally, the fund is not going to provide advanced info on a candidate company before placement. The decision is theirs after the LP money is committed. It's not a bad thing. It's by design. So decision-making is outsourced and transparency with it. So the venture fund comes in fourth here. All right, the next category is called Rules and Obligations to LPs. This is related to bureaucracy, but has more to do with the rules and specifics that are written into a fund document. If, for example, a firm sets up its rules to only invest in California-based biotech companies, the market could evolve in the 10-year life of the fund to make these stipulations very unfavorable for choosing the best investments. So the venture fund comes in last year as they typically do disclose their constructs up front and have limited opportunity to adjust after launch. The syndicate is best here as investor group makeup, thesis, and process is fluid and adaptable. The lone wolf is also tied for best here as the individual can do whatever pleases them. The angel group comes in third. They do have significant autonomy, but I've found that most have rules about location of startups or maybe requiring that founders present to the group in person. While these aren't bad rules, they certainly can be limiting when really strong opportunities are presented. If I was an entrepreneur building a business, while funding is important, I couldn't justify either relocating or even doing a big travel circuit for a couple months just to present to investors. All right, the next category is called expertise breadth. The syndicate wins out here as there's no constraints on location. Now, the syndicate groups that I've interacted with have incredible breadth of subject matter experts. This is very helpful for evaluating startups in a range of different verticals and sectors. Angel groups come in second here as they also have really impressive breadth. The only reason they're second to the syndicate is that the size of these groups is often more restrictive to one location. So 
the sheer size of members is less than a syndicate group typically would be. But I've learned quite a bit from my fellow group members with great expertise in verticals of which I have no background. Venture funds come in third here. Seemingly, they'd have a lot of breadth, but more often than not, VCs are sector-focused or business model-focused, and they're not trying to be SMEs in everything. Uh, Lone Wolf is last as the expertise is just limited to their own. The next category is called expertise depth. Uh, Conversely, VCs are the winner in depth. While in certain scenarios, the syndicate or the angel group may have incredible depth, the VCs are designed as professional organizations with existing depth committed to furthering their knowledge in specific areas. Uh, Syndicates come in second here as the sheer number of members provides more access to deep knowledge experts followed by the angel groups, which have deep knowledge experts in more limited numbers. Uh, Here again, the lone wolf is last, as they're rarely deep in the range of areas in which they invest, and they don't have the same resources as other groups to continue expanding their depth. The next category we've got here is called rights and protections. When we had Brad Feld on episode 10 to talk about the term sheet, we discussed control terms and economic terms. This is likely evident, but VCs are often the most demanding when it comes to control terms. Professionally, it behooves them to make strong investments and protect them in all scenarios. Most VCs have seen all the crazy things that can happen and have set up their terms to protect their money, whether it be up round, down round, cram down, follow-ons, liquidations, participation preferences, etc. I've ranked the angel group and syndicate equal here. At large, they may be less aggressive on terms than the fund, but both are professionally managed with a strong awareness of downstream risks. The lone wolf is last again here. Uh, Most experienced venture practitioners will caution against lone wolf investing for this exact reason. Without a professional approach and expertise, lone wolves are often watered out, restricted from following on, and or removed completely from cap tables. The next category is price and economics. So the other component that we talked about with Brad was price. And while initially I was thinking the VC was best here, I'm reminded that we are talking about seed stage venture, and often VCs that play here have artificially inflated valuation by being less price sensitive. In many cases, VCs will invest at higher valuations than other groups just to get in and secure a position that enables downstream financing activities. So the angel group is rated best here, as they are often most motivated to lock in lower valuations, especially when you're not betting on unicorns and the upside of exits in certain locations may be 30 to 50x, angel groups often need better economics. The syndicate is second here, usually less price sensitive than the angel group, maybe less flexible on price than the VC, but much more flexible on other control provisions which is why entrepreneurs very much like the syndicate model. The lone wolf again comes in last because they really don't have any negotiation power as an individual, nor is it likely that they will have the same data on market prices or comps. Negotiating evaluation with 25K behind me has never gone as well as negotiating with a group of investors. The next category is called minimums. Clearly, the syndicates and platform models have the most attractive minimums. In many cases, investors can get in for 1K on AngelList. I've slotted Angel Groups into the second position here. Again, I do not have the quantitative numbers completed on this, but anecdotally, 
investors can get in for pretty small amounts, say 10K, when working with an angel group. This can be a big advantage and allow for more diversification. Remember those like David Rose and Gil Pancina recommend 10 to 20 investments if you're going to involve yourself in this asset class. For this category, I've ranked the VC fund third as one typically has to make a sizable commitment just to get into the fund. You won't find many VCs taking on LPs for 50 or 100K. And the lone wolf, again, is last on this one. Just to play as an angel and get on a cap table, you have to have some capital to commit. The least I've seen a startup take after a friends and family round is 10K. Usually they want 20K at the least. As mentioned on earlier episodes, when I started as a lone wolf two years ago, I was doing 50K investments just to get in and negotiate on terms. To get a diversified balanced portfolio, this was not sustainable. I'm thankful to have studied a lot and started these interviews so that I could adjust. Whether investments go bad, the thesis was off, or the terms were poorly structured, we all learn, adapt, and refine the approach. As I reflect on episodes with Rob Goh and Jerry Newman, a major takeaway was that at-bats are critical in this asset class. It's not batting average, it's grand slams and home runs. The more at-bats one can get, the much better position. That being the case, low minimums are crucial. The next category is called access to deal flow. The venture fund and syndicate come in as a tie here. Some syndicates, of course, are worse than others, and the same goes for funds. But generalizing, these groups have very large networks and have limited geographic constraints. The network in this industry is everything when it comes to deal flow. Those that are really well connected nationally and internationally and have the ability to invest in deals across state or national borders are going to get more great deal flow than they can fund. Angel groups come in third here. I've found that leaders are incredibly well-networked, and the good ones get tremendous deal flow. But often they will not fund something outside of their cities or their regions. This is a differentiator for them to be locally focused, and in many ways, it's a strength. But in total deal flow access, it is limiting. The lone wolf without numbers of partners is going to have a hard time getting enough deal flow. Even if they're the best network person alive, they're going to find it hard getting the same access as the exponential network effect of high-powered groups and syndicates. The next category we have is volume of deal flow. This is highly related to the last category, but is less about access across geographies or through extensive networks and more about sheer volume of deal flow. Clearly, through platforms like Gust, Funders Club, or AngelList, you can get huge volumes of deal flow. Here, the syndicate is number one and the VC fund number two. Uh, the angel group here will come in at number three and the lone wolf is fourth. The next major category we have is experience. Experience has to do with depth, but is more a function of deals done. While syndicate leaders may be doing more deal volume than the other categories, venture funds still come in number one as they often have the longest historical track records of deals completed. I'd imagine this is very beneficial when one has gone through many cycles and bubbles and understand capital expansion and retraction. The benefits of pattern recognition, often cited by VCs, is one that is hard to quantify but surely exists. The syndicate comes in at number two here because of the volume of deals being executed. And then angel groups come in at three 
They often have strong experience over time, but don't have the deal volume of syndicates or historical depth of venture capitalists. Lone Wolves, again, are in last place on this category. The next major item I'd like to talk about is the opportunity to learn. One of the better learning environments for me has been the Angel Group. There's nothing like actually talking with experienced investors and debating the merits of a deal. The impetus for the show, in fact, was the incredibly revealing and inspiring conversations I was having with so many investors around town. So due to the in-person nature of groups and the pseudo-Socratic format, I've ranked at number one. Arguably, the syndicate could be tied for first if the process were more transparent. Uh, while Gill has made tremendous progress there, we're still not at a place where different stages, you know, sourcing, evaluation, diligence, and decision-making are completely open and transparent to constituent LPs. This is making me feel a bit critical about myself as I've been running interviews to pull back the curtain and I haven't even shown my own process. Sometimes when you're immersed in something, you don't see what's right in front of you. So I'll figure out a way in the coming months to make my own process much more transparent and get some feedback on the way that I manage my deal flow and funnel process. Uh, the venture fund I have rated as third here. The LP doesn't have the benefit of learning from doing, but at least retrospectively, they can get insight from the fund managers about how key decision criteria led to the yeses. The lone wolf is last again because while they get the benefit of experience, there is no one else on the investment side to learn from. So all learnings are happening in their own bubble, which can be dangerous in any investment class. The next category is called follow-on ability. Both the venture fund and the syndicate are likely best positioned for follow-ons. The fund, because they're typically reserving capital for their pro rata or more significant downstream investments. The syndicate is also tied for best because of the crowd's ability to fund follow-ons. Even if an original seed investor forfeits their pro rata right on a follow-on, the rest of the crowd then gets access to that follow-on. So the combination of the volume of investors in the syndicate groups and the low minimums required really make the double-down opportunities very efficient. Angel groups come in third here, not because they're opposed to following on, but with more limited numbers than a broad syndicate, they may not have the capital or the numbers to follow on even when it's appropriate. The lone wolf, of course, is going to have the lowest ability to follow on, even if one is very independently wealthy. When a unicorn gets to a Series F, and requires many millions to maintain a pro rata, that could be a very difficult proposition for an individual. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. 
Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to PacWest.com to learn more. The final category we'd like to address is called time contributed on diligence, evaluation, and the entire process. For the LP, they really have a small time commitment when it comes to the venture fund. This is a major benefit of a fund, outsourced expertise and decision making. So the fund is best here. Second best would be the syndicate due to pretty efficient communication options over message platforms, email, and such. One does not have to commit an inordinate amount of time to coordinate. Also, the crowds are often dividing up the work for sourcing, evaluation, and diligence, employing appropriate SMEs on specific deals. So this can allow processing efficiently instead of every new sector being a learning objective. Angel groups come in third here. Getting together for in-person meetings and various phone calls required to herd the cats uh, makes the time per member contributed a little bit higher. And the lone wolf will have to invest the most amount of time on their own to do everything. All the sourcing, evaluation, and diligence falls to them. So they either spend a lot of time per deal or they make more risky, unprotected bets. So that wraps up our analysis of each individual category. The first thing I'd like to note as I look at this overview is that it doesn't consider things from the entrepreneur's perspective. It would be valuable to do a similar exercise where we sub out the LP investor for the entrepreneur and assess the different types of funding sources. The second thing that jumps out is if I do a rough sum, just adding up the numbers with you know the lower numbers being better here, number ones versus two, threes, and fours, the syndicate comes in at 30. The fund and the angel group are tied at 43, and the lone wolf comes in at 53. So the first takeaway is that the lone wolf is probably not a great approach. Just talking through these items, it seems like an overly risky, unprotected approach that's not utilizing some clear advantages of the other approaches. However, for the other three approaches, they can't really be compared directly. While the angel group and the fund tied with the same rough score, they're completely different categories with different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, same with the syndicate. It has an attractive aggregate score, but the strengths and weaknesses are distinct. It seems what each investor should really do is determine the factors that are most important to them, if it's decision autonomy, transparency, economics, and opportunity to learn, you really want to look at the angel group category. If decision speed, time required, protections, follow-on ability, and expertise depth are most important to you, then it's hard to beat the venture fund. If a blend of those factors, plus low minimums, breadth, and limited bureaucracy is important, then the syndicate becomes very compelling. So overall, as I take a step back, I see a distinct role that each of these groups are playing and the advantages of each. While I have involvement as a lone wolf, as an angel group member, and am exploring funds, I haven't done nearly enough on the syndicate side 
now that I reflect on the exercise and consider the factors that are meaningful for me. I'd imagine that some combination of these categories is going to be the right mix for the individual investor and certainly for me. What I'll do in the next week or so is put together a tool where we can all rank and prioritize these factors for ourselves and get a much better calibrated ranking of the categories. So look out for a post with uh, this tool or calculator. Maybe I'll do a little entry form or something on the website. Hopefully that provides a more thoughtful assessment of what is right for each investor rather than just saying the lone wolf is the worst and the syndicate is the best, because clearly that's not going to be the case for each individual venture investor. And let's keep this a living analysis and document. So if you have feedback on categories that I've missed or rankings that may be off, feel free to leave a comment in the comment section and I'll make sure to keep improving this over time. Before we wrap up here, I just want to say thanks to all of you who suggested and linked me up with guests for the show. I've had such a large influx of suggestions lately that I haven't had to recruit in some time, and I've gotten a great set of interviews recorded, as well as a bunch that are upcoming. So keep the suggestions of guests coming my way, and even better, if you have specific topics in mind for those guests to address, then feel free to include that too. All right, thanks for joining me on this special session today. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. See you again soon. Thank you.